Welcome to a special Mentality Podcast series called Mate Therapy. Mate Therapy came about during lockdown when we were only allowed to meet up with one person for a walk outside. Right, Laffer? <laughs> I'd meet up with John Bell. And now, John isn't your typical type of mate. Yes, he is your bald-headed, tattooed-covered, Alan Partridge-loving type of guy. One that you'd definitely go for a beer with, but... On top of that, you know that I love to speak about my feelings. There's the added bonus that he is a therapist. For me, at that time, I was having to deal with a brain injury and the ever-looming knowledge that I was going to have to retire from professional sports at 27 years old. Many times, I'd meet with John and I'd feel heavy. I'd feel certain of my misery. I'd feel unconfident and I'd judge myself all the time. And at times I'd wonder, that question that we've all wondered at some point in our lives, why me? Chatting with John cleared up those thoughts and emotions that kept me stuck and unhappy. I'm lucky enough to have John Bell as a mate. The downside is that I can't have him as a counsellor, but you guys could. During this podcast series, we are inviting you into the types of mate therapy that I got with John during the pandemic. A lot of the times men think that therapy is opening a can of worms. This podcast series will show you that it isn't. And I hope that you guys benefit from feeling a weight lifted. And maybe you think, oh, it's not just me that feels like this or thinks like this. Or maybe you thrive off the deep conversations like us. As George Bernard Shaw said, those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. As always, these podcasts are for you. Listen, give us feedback, share with someone that you think would benefit. And if you believe in what we do at Mentality, rate the podcast because this helps us continue breaking the stigma on an even bigger scale. And without further ado, I bring you my old mucker, John Bell. Hello, mate. So, uh, hello, you. mate. Where have you been? Where have I been? Where have I been this weekend? Well, John, you know I've been spending time in New York, don't you, Sean? Yeah. Well, this weekend, I, I just thought I had to take it up another level. I had to take it up a notch. So, we went to the Hamptons for the weekend. We went to the Hamptons, and uh, this place is for the filthy rich. I would never have had this opportunity if I'd not met amazing people over this end of the world, and been able to have good time with them and share, and share some flipping crazy weekends. Yeah, it it was it was definitely it was not Morley, you know. It, it wasn't Morley. It wasn't the it wasn't the usual usual crowd I'm hanging around with. Um, but this house is on. I think it's probably like billionaires row. You know, I think that's what 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 you call it over there. I think it's connected to. Wow. I think it was like the old old money. Of the Hamptons or of America, the old money, which is where we were. And of course, everyone knows that you're new money. Everyone knows I'm new money. You know, hardly any money, maybe. <laughs> um, you know, I've swung around, went to the beach, you know, enjoying ourselves, going around the town, looking at the shops, lots of beautiful art galleries, you know, have a good time. But the house that we fluked and managed to stay in was, I reckon, around 400000 a month to rent. 
So we, That's uh, not even the number. <laughs> we, we, we won't, we won't, yeah. That just, so we won't have, uh, that just says not for you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's, I think it's one of the first times, but you know, usually I love having a conversation in a bar. We, we went for a, a beautiful bit of food overlooking the, the water. Um, loads of yachts pulled up and stuff, and we were eating this this beautiful dinner. And it was like a club downstairs, so we went down to the club, and I'm sort of thinking how much a bottle of wine is going to be, thinking um, just dreading the worst. Anyway, I get in a conversation with a guy. He's from the UK, so I'm like, oh, connect with this guy. Yeah, brilliant, yeah, brilliant. And um, I'm speaking to him and telling him I'm a rugby player, and I could just see this timer just going off in his head, this clock going off in his head. I, just, I could see it through his eyes. He's looking at me and it's like he's looking for a way out. He's looking for a way to get away from me. And he's just, he's, he's, he's got he's got 10 seconds, he's got 15 seconds. And I'm telling him, look, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm a rugby player. This is what I'm doing. He's like, oh, uh, this guy knows about rugby. Pulls him in, jumps away from me. And, um, and I speak to some guy from Bath who was the biggest dickhead I've ever sport to. So, yeah, fucking a funny, a funny weekend. Um, but and imagine comp- surreal. competition up there is fierce in terms of who the biggest oh dickhead is. Yeah, oh, my God, yeah. yeah. I don't want to other people just because I ain't got that kind of money for the record. I'm not going, I'm not going to this otherness. However, I bet there were some dickheads. Oh, man, there were some dickheads. But we spent some time, we spent some time with, like, it was so funny because the people we, that we were with, me and Natalie, it was for Natalie's birthday weekend, so it was a pretty surreal birthday weekend. We spent time going up there with some real fucking brilliant people, like high flyers in New York and the successful people, but just real down to earth. And I oh, mean, that sounds great. Not, not pretentious, you know, not pretentious and, and none of that. So it was a good mix. It was a good mix. It was like, it was a a view into that type of world and that type of life but you know keeping all of the things that are important <laughs> nice two feet firmly on the ground exactly exactly so yeah and this morning mate I don't know if it's connected but I'm walking to Central Park and uh, Natalie's sort of like she's looking around her and trying not to be in earshot of anyone and I'm like what's up with this like, I need to tell you something I said, what do you mean? She said, do you remember what happened last night? And I'm like, no, what do you mean? I just sleep and woke up and that's it. And she said, oh, you woke up in the night and just looking around, making sure I'm not in shot. And you, you woke up and you're going, you fucking want to go? Eh? Do you want to fucking go? <laughs> oh, oh. Come on, fucking, let's do it. And I'm saying, this is what I'm doing in, in the middle of the night. <laughs> And I have, I have no fucking recollection of it whatsoever. And uh, I've no idea what it's connected to. I don't know who I'm speaking to. So, That's I mean... Advanced night terror. Advanced night terror, yeah. So what the, f- what the hell's going on with me there? What, is this something I need to sell out? Is this someone I need to batter? Mate, I, I, I work with the awake. I don't, I'm not very mm. good with the asleep. <laughs> The upside down world. Yeah, that's that's nuts, eh? Jeez, I'm, I've never done any of that, but I've had plenty of mates who've like jumped up and started talking, like, oh, like they're in a 
they're in a fight or they're fighting for their lives and that it seems to be quite a, a much more common thing than you think. Yeah, man, I've never, I've never done it. I've, I've, well, I've, I've never, I've never done that before. I don't think I've spoken my sleep, but I've, I've never. I've had fights in my dream, and it always seemed as if you're flipping, your punches are like really weak, missing, <laughs> really weak, it's, really weak, it's, it's, and missing. It's a bomb for me. Oh my god! It's like what's going on here? <laughs> like what, why is it not working? So yeah, but I didn't know whether that'd have anything to do with um, suppressed anger or. Um, wanted to batter someone out. I don't think there's any. Why? Oh, why therapy does not work? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean yeah. Rule, rule, rule number one, if you walk into the therapy room and say, come on, let's go, fucking let's go, um, it's, <laughs> you're probably not the client for me. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm not the therapist for you. <laughs> it's not the uh, It's not the right way to do it, no, is it? it's not. It's not. So, I mean, I mean, I'm just, yeah, I was flipping. When Nat told me that, I was flabbergasted, mate, and I, just, I didn't know. But I thought in the realm, uh, sort of persistent illusion of reality that we live in on the day-to-day, anger, what the, what, is it good? Is it bad? Anger, what, do we need it? Jeez. Well, we've got it, haven't we? Whether we like it or yeah. not, it's certainly not going to die out during our lifetime as a thing. No, it's true. Anger. What, what, what to say? I, I, I have an assertion which I'm, I'm sure if we were to break it down would would find a few little holes in, but ultimately I think it I think it holds enough water to suggest that the vast majority of people who present with anger problems are angry. Aren't angry. No, no. In, anger is what we see. So a lot of CBT models are around the behaviour and the explicit aspect of what we see in ourselves and want to change and anger is a a lot of the time is a wholly sort of like disagreeable and unpleasant aspect of oneself that shames and makes one feel pretty stupid quite a lot of the time and it's really hard to control it's like trying to keep a dog in a bath a lot of the time you know i've just had a, I've just had a weekend where my daughter just would not do what we expected her to, what we wanted to do, what we needed to do. By the end of Sunday night, my vein at the side of my head was pulsing, my palms were sweaty, down my front was mum's spaghetti. You know the score. <laughs> <laughs> it was not yeah. on for young and old. I was had to stand in the garden, just have 10 minutes, and I'm feeling angry. Fact is, yeah, did that situation make me angry? Yeah, but what drove it was shame being inadequate not knowing what to do not knowing how to be and i say to you the vast majority of the time you see large groups of lads scrapping in town you're dealing with shame not anger you're dealing with posturing you're dealing with pretense around how we should be seen we're dealing with adversarial lessons that are taught to us about being the bigger harder stronger man about the idea of threat the idea that we may get caught out all that sort of stuff a lot of the time, anger is what we see as a consequence of how broken or incomplete we feel in our lives. Anger absolutely is the fruit that shame grows. Now, it, it varies to a certain extent between the genders. It varies between how someone would present who's a who's a born male, how someone would present who's a born female, because not only is it about the lessons that we are taught 
within the gender stereotypes, but also about hormones and what driving, you know, testosterone's got a lot to answer for. And so testosterone is a really, really good way in which we are able to access our chimp, our inner chimp, our ability to just, you know, when in doubt, pull it apart, fucking have a go at it. And we will rely on that if we can't reason with it, if we can't control it, if it seeks to dominate us, undermine us, shame us, disempower us, well, at least we can fight it. And so understanding that anger is, is the flower that grows when shame is the compost, it's really important. That said, righteous anger. You know, I'm a big believer in righteous anger, protective anger. These things that happen when someone hurts or harms or threatens aspects of our family and or we see injustice or we see unfairness. Invariably, I don't find that linked to a to a shame a lot of the time. I, you know, I, I've been angry or disappointed with things or with people or with situations and slept that night. I've lost my temper and felt really, really annoyed about things, both in parenting and with friendships and socially. And probably had two or three nights where I felt a bit like a dick. What, you felt like you, you felt like a dick because of... Because I probably, the anger that I was displaying was based on my shame. It was based on my powerlessness and my sense of inadequacy. And what I've done is probably come out growling and fighting because I've got nothing else left in the tank. So I completely went to stereotype, went to inner chimp and went, ah, when in doubt, I'm going to, you know, show what I've got. And so a lot of anger is facilitated by things such as drugs, by alcohol, stuff like that, by situations that enhance it, particularly through sport. You know, you know, people can go out on the field and get some catharsis or get some anger out the body by being ultimately quite cruel on any kind of sports field, simply because they've got a lot of pent-up aggression and a lot of pent-up frustration in their lives. Feels good, though, doesn't it? There's a few things where you're saying, like, just before you're talking about the sort of the, the connection to shame and... and I know that a lot of the dialogue in my head when I get angry, a lot of it can be fueled by, I can't be seen to, to have been beaten by this or I can't, or not reacting to this or, you know, plainly people might think I'm soft or people, you know, yeah. like these sort of things. And that sort of fuels that need to assert yourself, doesn't it? Yeah. And sort of reacting and, and it, I guess it can be, looking in, in an angry way and it's it goes to that thing you're saying like pretense of how you want to be seen yeah or completely true you know, people people have an idea of how they want to be seen and if that gets knocked by someone then they have to do it you know they have to they have to they feel like they have to then the then the anger that you're showing then is a perform it's a performative anger it's an adherence to a social construct that that doesn't actually belong to your value system. You don't want to be angry. What you're doing is you're adhering to the fact that they've made you feel inadequate for something or that you worry that they may, may, may see you as inadequate and then you're dancing the anger dance, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So actually what you're giving up is some sort of communication that you're angry, therefore, in, in your power, which you're not. I don't say that as a smart-ass. Fuck it, the amount, of time, the amount of times that that anger goblin has bit me in the arse and held on and I have, jeez, I, I don't sit on a higher plane of consciousness where this way, for me, frustration and anger are daily battles and I think for a lot of people they are. I just know a lot of the time, like, like shame, like anxiety, 
like moments of feeling a bit depressed, I'm okay in the sense that I usually can work out where they've come. And once I know provenance and I know, right, I am behaving like an unreasonable snappy arsehole because two hours ago I had a difficult conversation with a client. Someone's not paid an invoice or and that's a really irritating me. You know, the postman was a bit rude. You know, I can't get hold of this mate and I need to sort it out. You know, I'm planning X, Y, and Z and I can't get hold of people. And it's about how we just carry that debit or that balance or that debt into other situations. And, and, and for shame, certain things in my head will get cleared. Something will resolve itself. And I'm aware of myself being less of an ass because that thing's been dealt with or I've got a moment of relief. And I go, oh, yeah. Oh, that's why it was. I was running around with the back of bear with a sore head because so it was never about the thing. So understanding where things come from so important to unlocking the reasons why we're angry and limiting its impact, limiting its power and limiting the length of time which we spend in that state because it's never about the thing. It's about how we've moved into the thing. And this is why so for so many men, unhappiness and discontent and, and, and living an unfulfilling life and adhering to these social stereotypes breeds an anger because whenever we're moving away from our value systems and not being who we are, we're dancing a merry tune dare into how other people think we should be we're not pleasing ourselves and because we're not pleasing ourselves we're a big ball of frustration and then that builds up and that 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 out those outbursts come from small things road rage comes from yeah and then we throw we throw cocaine or we throw six seven ten twelve pints at this or we throw a culture of toxicity and violence at it and we get swept away, both neurologically and socially. You know, we throw those chemicals at our body, we're going to be less inhibited and violence is going to become just right there. Anger is going to become just right there. And sometimes, like, you know, we'd have to think about violence as well. You know, the words that we say and the way we choose to frame things and speak to other people. God, some of my most disappointing moments are not behaviours I've, I've had physically or with my fists or anything like that. It's just bad shit that I've said when I was upset or feeling wounded or feeling like a child. Yeah, mate, it's, it makes me, as I said before, being on the field and physically dominating something, I sometimes miss it or I feel unconsciously I miss it. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I don't walk around thinking I want to fucking not fuck out someone. I just think <laughs> <laughs> it probably is an outlet that is in your life but you don't fully comprehend how helpful it is to have that, you know? And then since I've had this brain injury, that outlet has been completely shut down. And especially when I have that anger, it all works together. I have that anger, that frustration, that makes my headache worse. And I feel like I need to, like you say, pull something apart, like that chimp. One time I just, I, I just, I was feeling so bad getting back from a walk. I just literally, pulled apart a bin or just smashed a bin. I didn't, I, I just, it was, the, the bin wasn't annoying me, but what was going on for me was annoying me. I needed the outlet, you know, I just needed to do it. And then there's been a few times where me and Natalie have done some flipping plant pot smashing because all the stuff that I could think about and the way to manage my mind, it just needs, sometimes it needs me to pick up a plant pot and just fucking throw it as hard as I can at the garage, you know? And it's like, because I know from the 
you know some of the chimp paradox and work that that you know Steve Peters coming on and that podcast with Ben Davis as well. They look at the chimp mind. They do say that the chimp needs to go to town every now and then, or not literally go to town, but he needs to. It needs to have that outlet, you know. It needs to have that flipping. Yeah. Just you just need to release it every now and then. Well, well, whether you whether you do or whether you don't, it happens. So we either control that release and understand and make sense of the fact that sometimes we just need to let some steam off, you know, do it or let it do us. Essentially, two weekends ago, I, I for the first time since my erratic adolescence. I punched a wall. Mm. You know, my, my beautiful, wonderful daughter would not sleep. And, and, and she didn't sleep all night. And my partner was away. And so I'm feeling vulnerable and feeling a little bit like I'm already under the pump because I don't do this as much as she does because of our diaries and because of how I work on night. She puts she puts my daughter down. So I'm, this was almost a regular. So immediately I'm on the back foot feeling adequate. She didn't go down. We were coming to a head with just this way in which she wasn't sleeping. We were getting loads of things wrong, as it turned out, which we kind of knew that we were. But what you're asking life to do when, you, when, you, when, when we feel inadequate, we're asking life to do us a favour. And I was asking her to do me a favour, and she owes me nothing. She's won. And it, the things didn't fall my way. And she was waking up every 20 minutes. So, and at one point, I threw, I threw a cushion across the living room growl fuck <laughs> under my breath use the stairs walking up the stairs to calm myself down tried to shush her got her out got her, got her asleep as far as I was aware got onto the landing and the moment my foot touched the top stair she woke up again and it was all I could do not to do a poor man's hulk and go through the wall and I punched the wall and walls still has had, had now as the word 20 years ago, it turns out. And so my hand were pretty <laughs> Still pretty reinforced. Yeah, and so I had to do that. So, you know, what, what, what do I do? What do I do in that moment? Did I have to let it out? Because what it did, it snapped me out of it. It's a stupid thing to have done, but I kind of made my peace and went, yes, idiot. Can't go around punching walls. You know, the social services won't be happy. But, <laughs> you know, parenting's hard. And when you feel unequipped, and this is the thing, You've got to let you've got to let the anger out and say, you know, we've got an entire structure around how we let it out. Now we go for walks, we we count to ten, we you know tag each other in, and we just say this is enough. And so we've we've got that outlet for letting that steam out. But you're right, you've got to let that steam out. And as a sports person, you don't realise just how, how gradually, but through exercise, through tiredness and fatigue and repair, you're letting that out. You're letting that anger out, and, and, and you know, putting a shot on someone was never my kind of game, to be quite honest. It was getting away from the shops with my game. But did I get nostalgic about the whole idea of physical contact and running into someone when I'd finished? Yeah. And I did play the game that you played, to the extent that you played it, or with the physicality that you did. And so I can well appreciate that you you understand that there's a bit of that, call it healthy anger, call it aggression, healthy aggression, that needs to go. It needs to, we need to get it out of our system through outlets. Yeah, because that, that, you know, that is something which it, do, it does need those outlets and it does need that recognition of when you need to, you know, let it pop every now and then. Yeah. And it needs, you need to have something that facilitates that in life. And usually 
going and doing it with other men in some, if it's rugby, if it's boxing, if it's, it's any of those kind of things is, is healthy. And it's, it's sort of, well, I mean, I'm going to say regulated. It needs to be more regulated. Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's another discussion. Um, yeah, that's a, For another time. Can of words. Um, yeah. Don't just like bang heads every day. That's what I'm saying. But, you know, um, it's it's like it, it does need those outlets. And, and I think, as, we, as you just touched on a little bit earlier, men get swept up in the the ruckus or the sort of commotion of a night out and that's sort of their avenue. It's like, fuck it, I'm off out. I'm off out. I've had enough of this. I'm off out and I'm going to go flipping. I'm going to go to town on it. You know, and men get involved in hooligism. hooliganism. Men go out and they're drinking all the time, doing drugs. And it's like, I guess that's their outlet, isn't it? And there's so much of our child connected to that because while ever we're in group thinking, while ever we're in a culture or a, a dynamic where there's other people there, we're constantly offsetting our responsibility to believe that we're just part of a group and if, if the behaviour is shared, it's not on our shoulders. And it's just bullshit we're telling ourselves a lot of the time, but you know, in, in groups and in cultures and in clubs and in teams, we've all been there when we have that vague air of disquiet and we go, that's not okay. This is kind of bullshit. But we, we, we t- one of the stories we tell ourselves is that we need to belong. We need to fit in. Well, belonging and fitting in, as I said before, are completely different. But we need to belong to something and we need to fit in and we don't want to actually be the person who puts their hand up and says, this is kind of not on. Or I'm not going to go that way. Or not tonight for me, lads, thanks. Because um, that, that's, that's literally going against your need for fitting in and belonging. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely is, and you know, we're 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 animals uh, for whom strength in numbers has not yet quite been evolved out of us. And so, when we're in when we're in a pack as men, we kind of hand in our individualism to a certain extent, and we allow groupthink to move. And we see that in all sorts of stuff. We see it in we see it in, see in hooliganism. We see it in pub culture. We see, it, and you know, not all, you know, all pub cultures are bad. By the way, we're not hammering the man's right to go and have a, a few beers bloody hell or anyone's right to go have a few beers but we see it in its most extreme form when what we do is we completely hand in our individualism and go you know what I'm just going to go with the flow here and we end up being involved in some pretty shit behaviours just a quick one guys we have had two new counsellors join team here at Mentality. If you are at a stage in life where you are struggling to manage your mind and it keeps affecting your happiness, it is time to do something about it. You can finally allow yourself the time to sit down with one of our Mentality counsellors who will understand what you are going through. They'll help you understand why you are struggling and they'll give you the tools to get back to being happy and the best that you can be. A lot of the time, we just need to clear up any unwanted thoughts and emotions so that we can show up in life the way that we want to. Mentality counselling is available in Yorkshire, Lancashire and the South East, including London. Sessions can be in person, face-to-face therapy or walking therapy. Alternatively, all counsellors can deliver sessions via Zoom.
go to mentality.co.uk forward slash counselling to start your journey. Where do you stand on toxic masculinity? Like, what's your viewpoint on that? What's my viewpoint on it? Well, Stevie, I think it's not on. Where do I think it is? I think, I think like anything else, where do I stand with it? I mean, like, what is it? What, what's your definition of it? And, you know, well, like, it's, 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 a, it's a set of behaviours, isn't it, Ac- across the isms and in terms of how one views oneself that is masculine. Now, masculinity is not, it's not, it's not to be challenged as, as neither is femininity. They're both absolutely aspects of, of gender across the board. They, they absolutely are whatever gender you identify as, you know, and it's to be celebrated. It's, it becomes toxic when it becomes something that precludes others, subjugates others, heart hurts others. Uses otherness as a way in which you know superiority can be established. You know, I am a man, therefore X, Y, and Z. You're only this. You're only that. Um, and it's once again, it's linked to this word around privilege, and you know, I have some issues around that because of the nature of the world, the word, and the meaning of the word. And the vast majority of people who are white, uh, male and um, heterosexual understand privilege to belong to something that's outside of their socioeconomic group. And so it's a difficult sell as a word, but notwithstanding, what, what do we mean by toxic masculinity? Well, actually, it means that if we adhere to the, you know, the white male um, heterosexual characteristics, we never really have to explain who we are. And by implication, if you don't fall into those groups, you're going to spend a lot of time having to understand and interpret a world that isn't necessarily stacked in your favour. And, and, and we make it toxic as white heterosexual males by using using our characteristics and using our, uh, our status as, as those things to subjugate and, and, and oppress and, and hurt and damage other people and more than, and more than that, ourselves. We said, you know, we 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 send we send men backwards when we're behaving in these bullshit ways. But in terms of working with groups and things like that, that's a different kind of work. But you know, or talking about cultures, that's a different kind of work. But within therapy, something that I find that's really interesting, working man to man, is the amount of times that I will be asked to either understand, find funny, compartmentalize, overlook behaviours that I know that if I was a female therapist either wouldn't be told to me or would be delivered in a much more uh, subtle, gentle or possibly even shame-filled way. And I'm supposed to sit here and go, yeah, that's fine. I remember one time when I was in a pub in, um, in, in southwest London and I was speaking to some white South African guys and one of them turned around to me and made a racist comment about... I didn't know me, made a racist comment about one of the doormen who was black. And he looked at me and went, you're white, you'll get this. And it's that kind of idea that we are complicit with each other, simply because I share some arbitrary characteristics that you see as the, you know. I, I, we, had it in a, we had it in a taxi, Meg and I had it in a taxi the other week, where the classic, unfortunately, the, the horrible stereotype around 
some taxi drivers will make those sort of comments. Stuart Lee talks about this. It's really funny. Um, for the record, listeners, not all taxi drivers are rampant racists, but this guy didn't do the horrible, unfortunate archetype any any favours at all, or stereotype any favours at all. And, and made some comment like 30 seconds in, and we just went, oh. And you're saying that because I'm white, and so because we're white. We, and I thought, have the last 50 years not happened to you? Are we not fucking done with this? And you realise there's work to be done. And so I do it a person at a time. My work's pretty slow, but yeah. Um, the idea that I'm complicit in the first part of my work is to say, just because I share things that you think are unifying or similar characteristics, I may say I share your views. I mean, very difficult moments in, in therapy where I'll be like, man, I'm not down with that. I'm not down with that at all. It's like it's, it's almost toxic masculinity. It's, it's sort of using that the features and, and sort of the characteristics of being, I guess, a man. And you could say straight, you could say white, and collectively trying to to use those to oppress people and, and just to make people feel shit and to almost normalise that stuff. You know? Yeah, and it ends up being a, it ends up being a dance that is so removed from proper human value anyway that in the midst of all this that you know the perpetrator or the the person who's ensconced in this toxic masculinity call it whatever you want um who's behaving this way you know inv- invariably he's being performative and, and, and not adhering to their own value set anyway they've been swept away with a need to be a certain thing rather than actually making themselves happy and so at, at, at heart toxic masculinity is, is inauthentic it belongs to an idea of what men should be. Completely cutting out the idea that every man is different, every woman is different, every non-binary person, every trans person, every gay man, every gay woman. We can't go around every person of colour. You know, we can't go around sort of lumping people together or thinking that because we carry certain characteristics, we've got to go with what everyone else is doing. Yeah, it's it, it, it's like yeah, it's like a certain collection of beliefs in it that's put together, and then it's like acting upon those in it really it, in the sort of view that a straight white male has the dominance and and sits at the top of the tree. It's, it's, it's pretty mad. I mean, just just that guy, the guy that I met at the weekend who. It's firmly implanted in in that world, you know. Yeah. Um, it was just like firmly. He was he was absolutely blind and talking about rugby and just. I think it was. It, 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 it wasn't just a cast fan, Murray. <laughs> it was a it was a it was a bar. Fan. It was a bar. Because <laughs> if anybody's a cast fan, they might not want to talk to you for different reasons, Stevie. Exactly, like I'm just chatting to him just to fucking see what he's up to, what he's doing, if he's enjoying his night and that. And it, all of a sudden, I'm plunged into this world which, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a white, straight man in a place where I'm presumed to have money, and this is what we talk about. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's really interesting, and he clearly sort of like vetted you for connection, usability, or whether he thought there was some benefit in speaking, and actually, you were just looking to connect and. A lot of the time, and you know, don't know this guy, and I don't want to besmirch him. But he'll never have chance. He'll never have chance to to defend himself. But I find a lot of time that within 
certain hierarchies and cultures, we're constantly looking at that transactional element and people don't want to connect because true connections vulnerable and exposing as fuck and we don't really want to do that so we're constantly you know I, I remember being in bars i used to work in london for a long time and been in bars and no conversation happening wasn't without an agenda yeah i know it's like what am i here i'm not, I'm not there's no reason that i want to speak to you it's just because i'm here and i like to just fucking have a chat but i think it was a thing i think jack's our friend that we you know that we went along to to, to the Hamptons with she was like, oh, we've ordered an Uber, we're going to oh, go in 15 minutes or whatever. Oh, all right, Sam, and they're like, oh, here we go. You know, here we go. She's she's trying to take you away again. I'm like, well, that's my mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, fucking, I wouldn't mind getting off, actually, to be honest with um, But, you know, it's just that sort of, it's like being led into that um, already stereotyped sort of um, Discussion and conversation, which yeah, I think so. It's just it's like you know, I did I did that when I was fucking fifteen. I got me to keep mm. It's hard to step away. It's it's really hard to step away. It's hard to be your own person, uh, regardless of who you are. It, it's not easy. We're gonna get swept away. We, we you know, and the vast majority of people are just doing the best. The vast majority of people displaying a lot of toxic behaviours are just stuff they've been taught and on teaching that and doing it for ourselves and obviously through things such as therapy understanding that lifestyles and ways aren't working for us it's an ongoing thing and in, in talking about it uh, sitting here thinking are we othering by talking about them those toxic people and actually I think it's a I think it's a sliding scale it absolutely is we've just got to keep trying to be better and when we know better be better and and anyone who is uncomfortable with the with with the lessons taught to them and the archetypes thrust upon them, if if you're trying to step away from that, you're doing brave work. Yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's like it is. I guess it's just becoming aware of it, isn't it? Becoming aware of it, and then, yeah, and then understanding if it's fucking working for you or not. Yeah, and how other people feel from that, you know, and that literally. I, 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 had, I had one the other day, it was downstairs, the CBS pharmacy. Usually in there, they're like flipping, they just sleepwalking through the shift and they don't speak to you. We've got anything else to do. And they don't look happy. You know, they're inside all day, it's red or outside, all that kind of. But there was one woman who, who were interested for where we're from, she thought we're Irish, like a lot of people think we're Irish over here. And she was chatting to us and, you know, having a laugh and taking the mickey a little bit out of each other and stuff like that. Anyway, I like to call people darling. And, you know, I was calling her darling a lot. And then I said, oh, what, what, so what, are you working on then? What time do you finish here? And she was like, she was going to answer and she went, oh, that, that's confidential. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, yeah, no worries. And I was like on my way out. Anyway, then we got upstairs and that said, oh, you do realise that like that's something that women have to deal with a lot and it could create a lot of fear for it. I'm like thinking, no. I was resistant to like, like thinking, I'm just, I'm just interested in the life. I'm not interested in fucking a life up. Do you know what I mean? I'm like... But from her point of view, it, it's like, could, could she take that risk? 
and it's about the lessons. I mean, it's not. It's not even worth taking. No, it's not. Is no, it? I'm not. No, it's not. And you understand why. One way it's confidential, and two, while there's boundaries in place, it's because people who look, sound, and speak a lot like us. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean to say that we've got to, you know, I don't think the lesson is here to be jumping on a bandwagon of massive self-loathing. It's it's just understanding people's lived experience and, uh, you know, fair point from that. But, yeah, I've had a couple of those moments where you don't realise what you represent. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like, I, in, in my mind, I'm just like, I have a good time, I speak to people, it makes me feel good, you know, hopefully I can make them feel good. And, you know, that, this is what's going on in my mind, but, in reality, I'm a fucking tall guy, I'm straight, and I'm white, and people thought probably, you know, I walk around feeling unconfident, I walk around feeling, you know, sometimes unhappy and stuff like But to other people, I'll probably look like I'm buzzing and like I'm flipping, I've got all the power in the Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like... Absolutely. So it's sort of understanding that, I guess. You know, we're really resistant to like even going into it. I'm like, nah, flipping, just saying hello to her. I'm trying to sympathize with her if she's working for a long period of time and she finishes late and all that. That's what I'm trying to do. I can't just flipping, you know, I'm doing my own work and, and it was just like, I, I just felt like I didn't want to take it on board, but. I did understand, you know? No, I, yeah, it's, I think if you're a good human being, you have to realize that actually as a society, we're only as fast as our slowest mover. And if you're gonna keep yourself safe, you have, you have to be aware of the people who aren't evolving and, and who aren't just good people because it, it, it's for them that, that that response was. Not Not for you, but she didn't know that you're not that. So exactly, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, and we've got to we've got to be better. We, we we've got to be better. What that looks like, well, no one's asked me to draw up a plan yet. But <laughs> you, you, you you start with yourself, don't you? Yeah. You start with yourself. yeah, yeah. You start with yourself. That's that's hundred percent it. And I guess it, you know these conversations, literally just me working out as we go. It, it, it is continuous. The work is continuous and. Um, you know, it's understanding. It's understanding what, 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 how you want to go about stuff, but then also do have to understand the impact that you have on other people. Um, yeah, mostly that they they overlap. <laughs> Definitely, mate. But yeah, so that's a new that's a new territory that I'm breaking into. That how how tall. Dark and scary, I can be <laughs> um, <laughs> for people. Um, well, you, you, you've got you've got some way to go before you beat death, because he's tall, dark, yeah. scary, and he's got a scythe. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I know. I mean, that's what we're all trying to be. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, yeah, that's good. That's good on the uh, on the anger side. I think that it's enlightening to me. You know how that, that manifested where it's from. Nice one, man. Um, yeah, I like it. Good chat. Cheers, man. Good chat. <laughs> Cheers, boy.